0: Man, good morning everybody. Would you uh turn to Psalm 25 this morning and if you wouldn't mind could we could we stand as we just read his God's word this morning. Psalm 25. <clears throat> and this is uh listed as a psalm of David. So this is one of King David's psalms. Let's read together. This is uh, I'm reading out of the New American uh, Standard Bible, the wonderful Bibles that uh, the bulkies uh, donated, which really've enjoyed. Verse one, "To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will ever be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, for you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me, for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord. For he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Amen. May God bless his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a new day to come into your your gates with thanksgiving and to come into your courts with praise, Lord God. We thank you for a new day, Lord God, to come to your word, which you say is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So, Lord, we pray today that the spirit of the living God would speak to each one of us, Lord. I pray you'd speak to us personally about our own soul today, Lord God, that you would go deep, Lord, that, Lord God, we would, not, uh, we would not necessarily even think about anyone else's soul this morning but our own and the condition of it, and, Lord, that you would equip us in a new way today, that you would speak to us about it and awaken our souls to, to the need to care for our very soul, Lord. So, Lord, I ask you to do that divine work, Father. Lord, I thank you for everything planned today. I thank you for the lunch. I thank you for the kids being taught right now and ask your blessing on them. Lord, we thank you for our pastor, and we thank you for seeing him through this trial he had this weekend. And we pray ongoing health and strength, and that you would guard and protect him from all evil and all uh, things that would come against, Father. That, Lord, you would just give him rest today, and that, Lord, he could just soak you in this morning. So thank you for him. Thank you for his family. Thank you for the worship team that led us, Lord God, and thank you for bringing us into your presence, Lord. We love you now, and we just give you this time and ask you to speak to us as only you can in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to begin this morning with a with a personal question to each of you. And it's how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul this morning? You know, that's a little different than, hey, what's up, right? Or, or however we tend to pass people and talk to them, and I get it, we don't have time always to sit and have a conversation. But you know, when we're asked, what's up, what's our typical response? Eh, nothing. Nothing, or maybe we have something we talk about that just happened, something circumstantially that happened to us. But I'm, I wonder how many times we have someone who actually in our life asks us the question, how is it with your soul? In a setting where you can sit and discuss it. You know, I think, I think, I'm one of the few very blessed uh, ones who has this. I've, I have a, there's a man, uh, he's 70 years old, he's, an, he's a retired pastor, and he's a, he's, a, he's a chaplain, he's just a great, great friend, but he's, him and I have been meeting for, for coffee for almost, I think almost eight years now. And this is a question he asks me often. When we meet, he'll ask me, Jamie, how is it with your soul and that's a question that if we really take it at what it means, that's not one we can just brusque by real fast, is it? Oh, I'm doing okay, you know. Now, you know when you, someone asks you about the condition of your soul, it, it kind of keeps us from being what we like to be, if we're all honest, which is pretty superficial, and move on, right? And, oh, come on, you're getting a little private there, right? You're asking about my soul. But I wonder if this is something we need more of and more of, is the time to really sit in front of them. You know, I believe every man... This is my opinion, should have another man who has the freedom to ask him at any time, how goes it with your soul? And I believe every woman ought to have at least another godly woman who can, from time to has complete freedom to pick up the phone or meet and say, how goes it with your soul? And I believe every marriage ought to have the freedom between a husband and wife to sit down without distractions, without the TV on, or whatever else, to look at each other and say, how goes it with your soul? And I believe every home, whether it's a single parent or two parents, ought to have the time and the set aside time for a parent to look into her children's eyes and say, How goes it with your soul? You see, we're so fast paced today, so helter skelter, that we don't ever really, I don't think anyway, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's very rare that we have these kind of times that we ask these kind of questions How goes it with your soul? Now, Maybe the answer, if we were honest, would be not very well. Maybe like this psalm that David found him in in Psalm 25, we don't know all the circumstances going on when David penned Psalm 25, but certainly it's pretty clear by some of his verbiage that things weren't all going great for David. He mentions words like afflictions, distresses, disturbed, um, his sins, his iniquities, etc. So certainly there was some amount of pressures... Whether it was internal, David's own failures, obviously he asked for forgiveness, so we can assume he probably, part of this stress on him was his own sin, and part of that is with us too, right? Sometimes the condition of our soul can have to do with our very own choices and decisions and the condition of our heart, but sometimes it also can be things from outside. David, it, we, we, I think, can, can uh, assume from here when he talks about those who were treacherous and those who hated him with a violent hatred, that there were those on the outside also Maybe they were taking advantage of the fact that he had failed and now they were coming like Satan likes to do and accusing him. Or maybe it had nothing to do with that and they were just jealous of him, hated him for whatever reason and they were attacking him. But the point is whether it's from internal causes or external causes, those things affect the state of our soul, the condition of our soul. So if we were to answer this morning, not, not all is well with my soul. You know, the great hymn says, it is well with my soul. But if we were to answer this morning, all is not well with my soul, maybe the follow-up question would be, how are you caring for your soul? How are you caring for your soul this morning? And that's what I want us to really ponder this morning, each one of us for themselves to think on this. You know, it was interesting, I just, uh, as as we just had our devotional time as a family, I just... Again, you know how the Lord sometimes does. Turn to this psalm, and this psalm really spoke to me. And probably not in every version, but in at least in this New American Standard version, the, the word "soul," excuse me, appears three times. And so we're going to look at specifically at those verses, and then some of the context around them as we do this. Now, let's just talk quickly about the word "soul." What do we mean when we say "how is your soul?" You know. Kind of traditional translations or definitions of soul. We've heard people say it's the mind, it's the will, it's the emotion. So if you think about it, we hear all the time, right? It's the battle of the mind. The mind, the thoughts, the way we process things. You know, your will, that's your saying yes or no to something. I like it, I don't like it. I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it. It's that part of us that decides. And then our emotions. I mean, we all know what our emotions can do to us up and down, roller coaster like, hill, valley our emotions. Other descriptions, kind of at a higher level of soul, just speak of it as your very self. Think of it this way. Your very self as a living, conscious, personal being. Okay? As a living conscious. That word conscious is important because humans, being created in the image of God, separate from every other creation of God, we're self-aware, aren't we? We're aware of ourselves. We're aware of others. We're self-aware in a way, and I believe this is part of that whole aspect, when God made us in his image, unlike anything else he'd made. You know, look, I'm a, I love animals. I've had dogs almost my whole life. I love them, but there's a distinction this morning. I think despite all that society wants to say anymore, we've been created in a different way. We've been fashioned and formed very differently. Something more is ticking in us than ticks, even in the greatest dog, which I know is man's best friend, or cat, or whatever. There's something unique about the human soul that distinguishes us from others. So how is it with our soul, and how are we caring for our soul? So no matter what our answer this morning to those questions, I believe this morning God, through Psalm 25, wants to really equip us to to care for our soul because this is what I believe with confidence this morning. God wants our soul fully alive this morning. God wants our soul healthy this morning. God wants to deliver our soul, if it's in any kind of peril, And God wants to heal our soul if it's been damaged, if it's been wounded, if it's been hurt. You know, I believe this. I believe we can carry wounds in our soul over many, many years, and sometimes we never get it dealt with. And we wonder why we can't move on in God, why we can't go further, why our relationships around us are crumbling, because there's something, and again, it's not to put any condemnation. Sometimes there's a wound. It may have been from childhood. It may have been from two days ago, but we carry that wound. And there's a Savior we just sung about that wants to heal those wounds. There's a Savior who wants to make our soul whole and alive. There's many of us walking around, our soul is kind of dead. We we just live from wake up, the alarm goes off, what am I going to eat? I got to get to work. I got to pick up the kids. I got to, I got to. We are one big task list. And let me tell you this morning, God wants our soul more alive than that. That's not living. That's existing. And I understand we have responsibilities. I'm overwhelmed by mine sometimes. But God wants our soul alive this morning. He said, I come that you may have life and have it how, how? Abundantly. That's a soul that's fully alive, fully engaged. I remember being in a, in a men's ministry one time, and one of the, the principles, I love this, I'll never forget this phrase. This, the leader of this men's group was teaching, and he said, you know what, men? He said, a man that's fully alive, every time he walks in a room, it changes something. It ought to change the environment of the room. When a man or woman of God is fully alive, it ought to change that around them. Where it's been bitter and dark and hardened, when a person fully alive comes in, it can't help but little by little, or maybe in a big way, to change the environment. All right, so Psalm 25, we just read it. So let's look at a couple of, I think, keys for properly caring for our soul. The first one is right away in verse 1. Couldn't be any clearer. David says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, O my God, in you I will trust. I think one of the keys right off the bat in this psalm is the simple statement of David, to lift your soul up to God. To lift your soul up to God. Now, Lifting up one's soul, some say, is, is what we give praise and worship and value to. We lift up our soul to whatever means something to us, okay? And again, I know we're thinking, whoa, you bend down, you lift it up. How do you do that? But I think we know when our soul is engaged in whatever. We know when it's fully kind of moved by something or whatever. But David makes a very powerful statement. It's a very, let me, and get this part. His statement here is not a passive statement. This isn't something that happened to David. Oh, I was just sitting around and all of a sudden my soul lifted up. No, David is saying something very intentional here. He did something intentional on a consistent basis, very proactive. He made a decision to lift his soul up to God. And we need to catch that because so often our Christianity can be passive. Our Christianity can be, whoa, things went good, it blessed me. Whoa, things went bad, it messed me up. But there's a part where we can say, I will. There's an I will aspect to our faith that I think we need to get a hold of. And David says, good times, bad times, I will lift my soul to the Lord. I will lift it. Let me tell you, I think, a couple things that David understood very well. I think, number one, he understood that his soul was valuable, it was vital, and it was worth being lifted up. Do you love your soul this morning? Do you care about your soul, your very being? How much do you care about it? Do you value it the way God wants you to value it? I think David understood that, and that's one of the reasons he lifted his soul. Number two, though, I think he understood his soul was vulnerable. His soul was very, this valuable thing we have called a soul, it's incredibly valuable, and it's incredibly vulnerable. It was vulnerable to being downcast. It was vulnerable to being afflicted, oppressed. Put in the adjective you want there. It was vulnerable. David understood that. We're going to see that in a little while. Valuable, but vulnerable. Another motivation to lift your soul. And thirdly, I think David understood a very other important thing is that if he didn't lift it specifically to God, he knew it would go elsewhere. Amen? If we don't lift it to God, it's going to go elsewhere. This isn't the nice thing we'd like to say, well, yeah, I'm not really that into God, but you know, I'm certainly not going to go let my soul get into anything bad. Well, let me say this morning that to the extent it doesn't go up to God, it automatically by default drifts into the muck and the mire. You know, I think I said it when we talked about wisdom back in January. You know, I wish it was so that we could always just stay in a neutral spot. But I know myself and I've watched others' lives over the years enough to know that to the extent we don't pursue God or wisdom, we will drift away from God and into stuff that tears us down, into stuff that, that, that bogs us down and weights us down. And I think David understood that. He made a very specific statement, unto you O oh Lord, will I lift up my soul? This isn't just some spirituality. I know spirituality is a very a buzzword of the day. Spirituality means do anything: cross your legs, close your eyes, say anything you want to whoever you want. It can be a tree, it can be, you know, your cat. It can be anything, and as long as it, we call it meditation or whatever, that's spirituality today. But when David did this, he had in mind the true God, and he said to you, O oh Lord, will I lift up my soul? not just to anyone. I won't just give my soul to anyone. It's to you. To you will I lift it up. What a great application for us. Let me ask us this morning, where is our soul being lifted up to? To who is it being lifted up? You know, even in the human realm, we give away our soul so easily. You know, young people, I loved what Pastor preached a few weeks ago. He took a time and he, he, he talked about young people and marriage and everything going on with the state of marriage today. But who are you giving your soul to? You know, young people, you guys in here, you're not married yet. Who are you going to give your soul to? What really alarms me, we spend so much time getting our kids ready for college, getting our ready, kids ready for a career, getting our kids ready for all kinds of stuff. How have we prepared them for what to look for in a soulmate. Have we prepared them in what to, who they should give their soul to and who they shouldn't? Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what marriage is. Marriage is a two becoming one. It's, two, it's an engrafting that comes about. One of the most intimate, incredible things ever made. I know it's under assault today, but you know what? It's an incredible thing. And God wants it to prosper. He wants, just like he wants your soul to be, to be alive, he wants your marriage to be alive. But how we go into it matters, young people. Who will you give your soul to? Or any of us. Some of us in business dealings, right? We're tempted to give our soul just to get a better record, to get a better statistic or whatever. But are we, is our soul worth? Is that statistic worth giving part of our soul to? To whom will we lift our soul? You know, if you go back a chapter in Psalm 24, it brings the other side of the coin. You can turn there or you can just listen if you'd like. Back in Psalm 24, you've, you probably recognize these words. David also asked, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to idols or falsehood, depending on your version who has not lifted up his soul. Boy, it's easy to give our soul to something untrue, isn't it? So easy. It's so convenient sometimes. I know I've been at work at times, and it'd be so easy to just, you know, I don't know, subtly blame someone else for something I didn't review, and I should have. But man, that's our soul. I want us to get this this morning. Our soul matters. And it even matters enough sometimes to short-term pay a consequence, but for the goodness of our soul. To make a good decision now, even when it hurts, so that our soul can stay healthy and good. But you know, we live in a culture that says, no, no, do what's convenient. Do what makes you look good now. But we do that often to the detriment of our very soul. And then years later, we wonder why we're not getting through things. Why am I so weighted down? Why do I feel dead? Because our soul often has been compromised. To you, O Lord, will I lift my soul. David said in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David trained his soul. David spoke to his soul. We'll, We'll read this again later. Why so downcast, O my soul? David was having a good conversation within himself. You know, I know we're a little weird talking to ourselves. But there's a, there's a healthy soul conversation we need to have with ourselves sometimes. That same psalm, David said, Hey, my soul, don't forget all the benefits that God has. He who forgives all your sins, he who heals all your diseases, he who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness. David was reminding his soul of the goodness of God, the blessedness of God. When you lift your soul to God, that, those are the benefits, right? Right? How many of us this morning, we're going to go to take a new job, they offer us a salary, we say, yeah, but what are the benefits? Well, God has benefits. Forgiveness, healing, redeeming, crowning with good things. Those are the benefits package the Almighty offers. But we must lift our soul to Him. So critical. And I can't say this enough, and I said it in the beginning, but let me say it again. We are, in, in, I think, in the history of mankind, the busiest, most overstimulated, most entertainment-consumed time ever in history. Because of technology, because of where we're at, more than ever, we need to pause, hit the pause button, and spend time with understanding the state of our own soul. So critical. The last part of this first point is that in that same verse, I will lift my soul to the Lord, he says, for in you I trust. You see, faith is the key here to being able to lift our soul to God. Obviously, we have to believe God exists, right? But I think it's more than that. It's more than just, oh yeah, God's out there somewhere. I'll lift my soul. No, I think you you and I need to trust that he will care for our soul, that he will be good to our soul, that he will prosper our very soul. And that's the trust I think David is saying here. Not just, hey, God, I trust you're there somewhere, but God, I trust you with my very soul because I know you have wisdom to care for my soul. I know you know how to care for my soul, and therefore it's imperative that I lift my soul up to you. So, the first key is lifting our soul to God. Let's let's read on a little bit, and let's go to the second one. We're going to go down to verse... Verses 12 and 13. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul, this is the, this is the New American version, says his soul shall abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. Some of your, your versions may say his life will prosper or something to that effect. But again, our soul is our very being. It is our life. So our soul will prosper. The one who fears the Lord... His soul will abide in prosperity. It says he will instruct him in the way he will choose. And his descendants will inherit the land. So let's just do the math. Let's do the formula. The one whose soul abides or dwells in prosperity is the one who fears the Lord. We see that phrase, fears the Lord, twice in there. So why? Why is it that that is the key? Well, we talked about a few months ago with wisdom, what is the source? What is the source of all wisdom? Who remembers? Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge. It's the source of wisdom. And we talked about wisdom is equipping us or giving us skill for living, right? Not just skill to be a good accountant or mechanic or musician or whatever else, but skill at life itself, skill at making, navigating through the perils of life, you know, the minds that we have to go through, skill in relationships, skill in handling money and and being wise with it, whatever it may be, raising children, being a good spouse, etc., etc. All the practical areas of life, that's where God meant for wisdom to seep into, to help us and equip us. And so, and we talked about the benefits of wisdom. God's wisdom has so much for us. It, it, it's noble, it's good, it brings blessing, it brings life, we read. It brings favor, all these things. So when we choose to walk in wisdom by the fear of the Lord, it, it, it prospers our very soul because now we're doing the things that our soul needs to be healthy. So let's pause for a sec just to maybe have a little bit of something to under, help us right now. Today, we live in a time, and, and it's a good thing, but I've never seen so much focus on health, physical health, right? I mean, it's amazing how much is out there now on physical health. You know, watch, watch your, watch your uh, cholesterol. Watch the sugars you're taking in, natural versus artificial, right? You know, all these, these natural products and things like that, organic, eating organic, exercise, etc. And we're wise to heat a lot of that. That's good. But again, we do it for the outside. What do we do for the inside? Do we take the same care? Likewise, some of us have beautiful lawns. We have beautiful gardens. We've taken time, and I think that's a great thing. I love looking at a beautiful landscaped home. And we we find out what, if I'm going to grow tomatoes, if I'm going to grow whatever, what's good for the soil? What's the best fertilizer? When do I plant? How much water? Should they be in the sun, out of the sun? All those kind of things, right? Because what? We want our tomatoes to grow. We want them to be red and luscious, right? Or whatever we're growing. We want it to be fruitful. If it's flowers, we want them to be bright. It's obvious. Of course we do. We want our bodies to be healthy. We want our gardens to be fruitful. What about our souls? Do we want our soul to be colorful, full of luscious fruit, alive, healthy? You see, if we do, this phrase that gets so misunderstood, the fear of the Lord, it's critical. It's critical. And, and let me take a step back for those who struggle with this phrase. Because I think as I've, I've lived as a Christian now for however many years it's been, 30, 30-ish, I find that this word either brings excitement or dread, even among believers. But let me try to help us this morning maybe with this. For those of us who, who misunderstand this, yes, it's about reverence. Yes, it's about a holy God and reverencing him, Okay. But this isn't, and maybe it's because maybe how some of us maybe were parented, maybe what we went through, I don't know. Some of us just have this fear of just always cowering in fear. And that's not where we're going this morning. I don't think that's what David meant. David talked to God in such a real way, there's no way David was walking around all the time cowering like someone who'd been abused constantly, which is tragic. David here is speaking, though, of something that, quite frankly, most of us, if we we are honest with ourselves, is true, right? In every healthy parent-child relationship, there is some amount of a sense that a child says, I love my parents, my parents love me, but if I mess with the rules, something's going to get laid down, right? There is a consequence, at least put it at that. Likewise, on our jobs, whether it's because of governmental rules, whether it's because of company policy, have what, say what you'd like, same thing. We can have the greatest boss in the world, the guy we go fishing with, play golf with, whatever. We can even get along with the president of the company great. But there is still something inherently healthy, right, that says don't manipulate your payroll. Don't falsify papers at work, right? Don't misrepresent the company when you're on company business. Amen? So I think that's similar here, right? Right? You can have the greatest relationship in the world with your mom and dad, but you still have some kind of res- There's a respect there that says, I don't want to wrong them. You can have the greatest relationship with your work environment, your boss, your president of your company, but there's something that says, do it the right way. Do it the way they asked you to do it. Conduct yourself the right way. And I think in a similar way, that's kind of the fear of the Lord. Not because God's got lightning bolts. and he's like, Come on, mess up. I want to throw it. It's because God loves us dearly. And he, he get this now, he loves our soul. And he knows what the junk we do does to our soul. In fact, he cares about our soul more than we do. And that's why it's so good to lift our soul to him and walk in the fear of the Lord because the things he tells us to do and to not do are so good for our soul. The things he tells us not to do, he knows will mess us up. And all of us, to some extent, who've lived it all, know what that's about to some degree. I know the things that have messed up my soul. And I'm thankful that God says, don't do that. I'm glad he's a God who doesn't say, yeah, go ahead. Who cares? Do what you want to do, man. Really? But God, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to stop being God like you know it, right? Go do what you want. I want you to be happy right now. I don't know, maybe if God spoke to us, it would alarm us. Maybe we'd have a different reaction. But you know what? God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to make the choices. He doesn't want us to talk the way we've talked that harms us and others. He doesn't want us to think and, 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 and take in things that we've thought and took in to the harm of our very soul. And so, okay. I don't know if that was just me. <laughs> Thankfully, some of you had a look on your face too, so... At least a couple of us are losing it. I don't know. But he cares for our soul. He cares about, and he tells us the things to do that we're to do. Remember, we can sin by committing sin and doing what we're not supposed to do. We can sin by omitting and not doing the good he calls us to do. You know, uh, Adam talked about, you know, caring for the orphans and the widows. That's the good we're to do, right? And when we don't do the good, then we also our soul isn't fully alive and engaged. So God cares for our soul, and the fear of the Lord is to help us with this. But look at, look at the prayer. We, we read this earlier, but I just want you to go back. Look at this prayer of David up in verses 4, four and 5. You know, sometimes, and by the way, for those of you who struggle in the area of prayer, here's what I'd like to encourage you to do sometimes. Come into the Psalms and take the words off the, the pages of the Psalm and apply them to your own life. You know, when you're feeling like, man, I don't even know what to pray, why don't you come to Psalm 25 and read verses 4 and 5. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I will wait all the day. What an awesome prayer that is. And put that one to memory. Two verses. Put that one to memory. And you're going through a time and maybe you're out for a walk and you're by yourself. Take a little soul time. Recite Psalm 25 verses 4 to 5. What a great way to get yourself aligned with God. What a great way to, make, to tell God, you know what, God, I want you to help me make good choices. Just like I want to make good choices for my physical health. Just like I want to make good choices in caring for my garden. God, help me to make good choices for my very soul. Make known to me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. See, that's how someone who has the fear of the Lord should talk, should live. They want God's ways. Look at Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, suffering. The Bible says he was sweating blood. And he says, even there, he said, Father, not my will, yours be done. I want to do it your way, Father. I want to get this done. Let's do this the way you sent me to do. Let's finish it. Thank God he did. Thank God he did. Amen. All right. So the fear of the Lord, walking in God's ways, it ought to impact everything about us. Men, it ought to impact the way we are as a man, a father, a husband, a worker, a friend, you name it. Women, it ought to affect how you are as a a woman, as a wife, as a mother, every area. See, the wisdom of God isn't just some little spiritual slice. I was thinking about this. Music, right? Soul is considered, what, one little section of the music, right? You want to go to the soul music? But that's so different than how our soul ought to be for our real lives. Our very soul ought to be arrows shooting out in every direction of our life affecting how we live. No different. God, I want to be a good father. God, I want to be a good husband. God, I want to be a good friend. God, I want to be a man of integrity on the job, whatever it may be. That's what the fear of the Lord will do. That's wisdom acting out through our lives, executing God's plan through us. But Let me just catch one more part of this really quick. I didn't think I was going to even go here, but I I think there's something here. Back to verse 13. His soul will abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. You say, what in the world is that last part? His descendants will inherit the land. Well, again, think of it. For David, for, for the Jews, at that time, the promised land, obviously a big deal. And they wanted to make sure that they would retain their portion, their family portion in the promised land. I get it geographically for us that doesn't make sense we're a long ways from Israel we're not living in Israel unless we're Jewish we have no we have no claim to that per se land in the same way a David would have but here's what it is I think for us you see our land is our legacy our land is our legacy and God wants us he wants our descendants our kids our grandkids our great grandkids to inherit a godly legacy. He wants them by a man and a woman who fear the Lord to come after them, continuing the legacy. Just like the land would continue to be lived on by the descendants, so the legacy of a godly life will continue to go forward through the generations. What a blessing. How much more important than land is a legacy? Carried on, the torch handed from one generation to the next. What an awesome thing to watch our kids go on with God. Is there anything better Look, we use the word inheritance, usually we mean a will and we mean money and property. And that's all good and well, and I hope each of us can pass some of that on to our kids. But can I tell you, a gazillion times more important would be to hand on your children, no matter how poor you are, maybe you won't have a dime to you when you die, but to pass on to your kids, knowing Jesus Christ, loving the Lord, and following Him, and having a healthy soul. That's the legacy that matters most. That's what we should want our kids to inherit more than anything from us a life well lived god may god turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children may he turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers as was prophesied in malachi we need that in our day a turning back the generations looking toward each other finally this morning the third and final thing i want to, the third key is down in verse 20 guard and guard my soul and deliver me do not let me be ashamed for i take refuge in you for me the third key from this psalm is the freedom, the intentionality to call on God early and often to guard and to deliver our soul. You know, I wish this world was such that we wouldn't even need this. By the way, in heaven, we won't need this third key. All right? In heaven. Our brother Steve right now, I think if I'm theologically okay here, doesn't need this. He doesn't need this key. He's in a place where there's no more tears. There's no more dying, no more sickness. No darkness is going to enter in. That's the one I love about the new Jerusalem. No more darkness will enter in. Can you imagine a place for the first time in your life where you could go and everyone who talks to you is on the up and up? Where you can actually believe every word that every person around you says? That's like crazy, right? I can't do that for like two minutes of cable news. Much less some of the conversations around. But in this, this side of heaven, we need this desperately. And so I want to urge us this morning. Listen, a lot of us, we got our doors locked and we go to bed. Why do we do that? Protecting our family. Some of us have burglar alarms. Some of us have car alarms, right? Some of us are really cautious where we go and where we don't go. Sometimes we tell our kids, you know, it's a certain time of night. It's dark. Don't walk down a certain place, we're protecting ourselves. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But I want to ask us, do we have the same tenacity with guarding and protecting our soul, the souls of our family, the souls of our spouse and our children? Are we guarding and protecting them? But it's got to start with us guarding and protecting our very own soul, our very own soul. Our soul, men, our soul has to be healthy if it's going to bless our wife and our children. Sisters, your soul has to be healthy if you're going to bless your husband and your children. Kids, your souls need to be healthy. If you're going to honor your mother and father, that it may go well with you, that you're going to prosper. We need healthy souls. But we live, we live with these three things against us. We talked about this in prayer. We had a really good discussion. We live with Satan and demonic influences. Okay, We can, we can dismiss that all we want. All I'll say to that is that Jesus himself talked to Satan. Jesus rebuked Satan. Jesus dealt with Satan. Okay, we can dismiss him as a little red figure with horns and a, and a pitchfork or he's a spirit we can't see who loves to mess us up. Okay? But I choose to believe what the word of God says. He's real, he's an influence and I know from my own life pre-Christ, in Christ and, and serving Christ, I know the havoc that he can wreak. Satan, we live in a world system ruled by Satan, a world system that becomes more anti-Christ by the minute. I just remind, remind us all, by the way, Antichrist isn't just some scary figure out there that some Christian producer made a movie about that we all get intrigued and we wonder, you know, who the next Antichrist is, who this, who that figure is. Is it some guy in France? Is it this guy or that guy or this person? The word Antichrist simply means against Christ. Against Christ. First John tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. That was written, what, almost 2,000 years ago. The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, and we see it all the time, right? You know, things are said about any other head of a religion, and people, oh, we've got we to gotta respect that. Jesus' name is cursed literally every day, gazillions of times. Oh, well, that's just normal life. Tough, right? And look, I'm not looking for laws to, to defend that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not that thin-skinned about it, but I just know the reality of it. I've always found it interesting why, we, why, why Jesus' name comes out of people's mouths when they're angry and they wanna, and they're, and they're just want to curse. You know? I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting to me. Maybe it's because it's the name above every name that every name shall bow to one day. Maybe that's why. But the reality is that's what happens. So we have Satan, we have a world system, and then we got our own flesh. Okay? Now we can, God's given us a lot of tools. He's given us the cross of Christ to die to this flesh right, and to live crucified so we're not controlled by it, but it's here. It's here until we get to where our brother Steve is. It's here with us. Now, I say that not to make excuses. God has armed us. God has given us a lot, but these are realities. These are the reasons why we need protection for our soul. We need, at times, deliverance. Now, let's cover really quick before we finish those two aspects. He says, guard my soul, and then he says, deliver me. See, I think they're kind of Part of the same thing, but I think there's a a couple of specific differences. Think of it with your car, right? You bring your car in for maintenance, right? Oil change, rotate tires, that kind of stuff. It's kind of preventative. You know, you want to protect your car. You want it to run well. You want your engine to, to run well and healthy, right? And so that's something you do all the time. I think it's the same thing for us. Maybe you're not going through anything right now, but you say, God, guard my soul. Guard my soul. Keep me from evil. Keep me. Protect me, Lord. Protect my soul. All right? Maybe you go in an environment where where you you heard something, you saw something that, that really bothered you. What a great time to get on your lips, Lord. Guard my soul. Maybe I'm not having a bad effect from that, but guard my soul. Okay? But then secondly, he says, deliver me. See, I think deliver me now is when we're at a point where maybe we're a little farther down the road, and some negativities happened. We sense it. We, fe- we feel bound up. We feel, um, you know, vulnerable. We feel like weakness has set in. And that's the time to say, Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. Look, look at the words. I want you to see these words. Just so we get the context of David. This isn't just religious jargon here, l- religious talk. Look at, Go to verse 16. Let's really get this. this is, look at all that David's going through. Turn to me... And be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. How many of us are there today? You can have seven million friends on Facebook, and you can be utterly lonely. Isn't that amazing? But that's so true. You can have a house full of people, and you can be lonely. Man, God cares about that. Or you feel afflicted. Your soul just feels sick. God cares about that. Call on him to deliver you from that. Verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. You see, David, he's not saying, oh, well, woe is me. Lots of distresses. Just suck it up. No, he says, Lord, bring me out of this. I don't want to stay here. Get me out of this. It's not okay, brethren. Brethren. You know, we pray this a lot. I want you to know, there's a a prayer team, and our sisters are the most faithful, but we pray for this, the services. And one of the things sometimes we pray is, Lord, it's not okay for someone to come into your house, bound up, and leave bound up. It's not okay. And we pray it not be that way. It's okay if they come in bound, but we want them leaving free. We want them leaving free. It's okay if they come in feeling a little sick in their soul, but we want them leaving feeling healthy. They can come in feeling a little sluggish and spiritually dead. We want them coming out feeling revived, alive, quickened, of God. Verse 18, look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Again, David caring for his soul, even asking forgiveness. I asked this to my kids the other day. We were having a devotional. When's the last time you asked God to forgive you? Okay. I know you've apologized to me, to mom. When's the last time you asked God to forgive you? teach our kids we got to teach ourselves how to ask god let's get it right keep a short leash we mess up lord sorry totally blew my temper there wash me of that i don't want that to become a pattern in my life keep a short leash on it finally verse 19 look upon my enemies for they are many and they hate me with violent hatred you know the thing i love about david david some psalms make us squirm he can sound a little violent but what i love about david he's always putting people in god's hands right all right, how many of us don't raise your hand at this one? But how many of us have someone that is an absolute thorn in us right now? Someone who every time they post on Facebook, every time they we we have a conversation, whatever it is, you know the great thing as a believer, you don't have to revile back, you don't need to curse back, you don't need to try to get even, quote unquote. Put them in the Lord's hands. Lord, just take care of this person. Lord, I I I want to love them. I put them in Your hands. Do what you got to do for their good, for their good, maybe for my good a little too. But, but, but Lord, I put them in your hands, right? That's what God says. He says, take not vengeance yourself. Leave room for God. Leave room for God. Put people that are a thorn in you. Just give them to God. But again, that's good for your soul. If we can take that thorn and say, God, here, I'm giving you the thorn. Now, now your soul's not bleeding from the thorn, and we can be healthy. Amen. So I want to encourage us. Cry out to God. Deliver me. Protect me. You know, this is part of the Lord's prayer, right? This is right there. Lead us not, help me, into temptation, but deliver me from evil. The greatest man who ever walked the earth prayed that. He taught his disciples to pray that. That's us. And so when we see this principle in Psalm 25, Jesus is right in line with it. It's preventive medicine, and it's medicine when we're messed up. Maybe it's a spiritual antibiotic to get rid of the infection, but we need both, and God wants us to have both for us. And let me say the last thing on this, to not address these things, to be okay with troubles and pressures, and again, I'm not talking just the external part of it, but when it gets into our soul and weighs us down, to the extent that we just say, oh well, woe is me, then we have said, we've basically signed up and said, I'm okay having a dry, hard, dead soul, okay? I don't want anyone to get to that point. I don't want want to get my soul to that point. I pray you don't either. So care for your soul. Lift it up to Jesus. Choose the fear of the Lord. Choose to walk in his ways. His word says it will prosper your soul. Finally, ask him to protect and deliver your soul consistently. Don't stay bound up. Get free. That's what the Lord wants for you. Amen. Let's pray. Can we stand with me, please? Let's pray. By the way, when we're done praying, if there is anyone who needs prayer, I'm, I'm sure Pastor or anyone else, Adam, we will be here for you to pray for you. If you are carrying something today, like I said a few minutes ago, please don't walk. Don't even go to lunch yet, okay? Don't go walk to your car. Please come up and get prayer. Let's get you well today. Let's get you whole today. And I don't mean us. It's not in us. It's in the Lord. We're gonna, you're going to lift your soul to God. We're just going to be there and agree with you and see God move. Okay? So don't stay bound up, please. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, let it not return to you void or empty. Let it accomplish everything you send it to do, Lord, today. Let faith come by hearing and hearing by your word, Lord. I pray you would, Lord God, move today on hearts Lord, I pray for my own soul, Lord God. I need to lift it up more. I need to walk in the fear of you. I need, Lord, for you to protect and deliver my soul. And I pray that for every one of us this morning. Lord God, that we would care for our soul as much as you love our soul. And Lord God, that we would continually give our soul to you. In Jesus' name, Father God. So Lord, bless the rest of this day. Bless the fellowship time. But Lord, whoever needs you right now, Maybe there's someone who hasn't called on your name to be saved. Let them come right now, Lord, to take care of that, Father God. Or if there's someone who knows you but is struggling, Lord, we pray today be a day of victory, a day of liberty, a day of healing, a day of being released from bondage in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory, Lord. Amen.